Hey, what is going on, you guys? This is episode four of the Nabi Design podcast. In this episode, I sit back down with my good friend, Paul Sohn, who is a best-selling author and also adjunct professor at Biola University. I also sit down with my good friend, Kevin Lee, who is an online pastor at Saddleback Church. This episode is really all about understanding the 1.5 generation. And I would just say right off the bat, this episode may go down as one of my personal favorites for so many different reasons. Uh, I think that Paul and Kevin do such an incredible job of extrapolating and expressing just the story of the 1.5 generation. And there's such a meaningful dialogue that takes place as we begin to understand and explore uh, all of the different dynamics of the 1.5 and their relationship with first gen and second gen. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Check it out. All right. Hey, what is going on, you guys? This is Andy Un, and this is another episode of the Nobby Design Podcast. And if you've been tracking with us for a little bit now, uh, we're actually in kind of like a unique series um, addressing the Asian American uh, identity and the Asian American church. And, you know, in this kind of series that we're doing, um, we're actually going to be diving in today into the unique experience and the story of what we will call the 1.5 generation. And so just diving right in, first and foremost, I have two very good friends with me on this podcast. Paul Son, would you like to say hello? Hello, everyone. My name is Paul. Excited to be here, Andy. Should be good. Yes. And uh, for those of us who have been tracking with the podcast, uh, Paul and I did an episode in season one on identity. It was really, really good identity and calling. Uh, Kevin, this is our first time doing a podcast, but we have connected in the past. Would you like to say hello, brother? Yeah, absolutely. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here with my good friends, and I'm excited to talk about what's uh, in my heart. Yes. So just kind of, you know, getting the ball rolling. I mean, I really want to invite people into this conversation. Uh, I really feel like this is three friends uh, who are dialoguing about something that I think uniquely touches the three of us in uh, very distinct ways. But, you know, just real quick, what's the connection, Paul, between you and Kevin? Tell me how the Kevin-Paul connection took place. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I, I can share this story. Um, so everybody should know that Paul uh, wrote a book, um, the best-selling book. And um, I read that book and I heard that Paul was coming to a uh, conference, a small mm -hmm. network conference. And I thought, oh, I got to go and say hello. And just from his book, I could tell that we shared similar backgrounds as far, as, far as like um, the 1.5 generation identity. So when I went there and saw him and after his talk, I just reached out to him. And I don't, I don't know if Paul remembers, but I reached out in Korean just mm -hmm. to kind of say, um, hey, like I share, I share a background with you uh, and I want to get to know you. I want to be friends with you. So that day, um, I think we went to a Starbucks and 
Starbucks was closing. So we talked for a couple hours in the car. And wow. it was just a, after that, it's, uh, we've been really good friends. Paul, you want to add anything to that story? Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool because um, that was when I just literally kind of moved to Southern California. I was based in San Diego at the time. And that's right. You know, I didn't know really anybody there. And I was starting to connect with all these new people. And I got this email. Um, and I'm like, oh, I think this, you know, I gotta, I gotta really connect with this guy. And the moment I connected with him, I remember like, wow, I feel, I feel there's something there, you know, mm -hmm. immediately mm -hmm. feel just the chemistry. And even though, um, I don't know his full story yet. There's something that I could relate to Kevin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was already what, like six plus years, seven, yeah. seven years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, time, time flies, but now, wow. you know, God has continued to bless our friendship and, you know, now we're here, which really is amazing. W would it be safe to say that there was kind of a, a immediate sense of Chung in the friendship? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think I think so. And because we both understand, I think, as a 1.5 gen, um, just the fact that like we're here together sharing our experiences, our, our values, our thoughts and ideas, there, there is definitely a sense of uh, a chong and a bond uh, that we could experience. I, I think that's awesome because I think the, you know, and this is not a lesson on Chung, but I wanted to just highlight this because I think that's the power of Chung. I mean, Chung just being a Korean word to try to describe this phenomenon mm -hmm. of common bond, right? It's like a deep bond that people share. But, you know, Paul, our story, we've been friends now for almost seven years and definitely we've definitely grown in our friendship. But I think it's because of the relational connectivity that I had with you, that you introduced me to Kevin a few years back. And then Kevin, yeah. you were also part of that gathering in Kona. I just think that there's a transfer of Jung power <laughs> <laughs> that, that takes place. And, and, it, and it's a beautiful part of our culture. And I think just the human experience. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just kind of set up the conversation and then really just start asking you guys tons of questions. So you know, the reason why I, and I can truly say this, um, I really felt that the, the spirit of God was like highlighting this, this conversation of 1.5 as very significant. And I just kind of want to set the table by saying, you know, for me, as one who identifies more as a second generation, uh, you know, I think growing up, I, even I myself did not know necessarily how to relate well to those that we would call 1.5, which I'm sure the two of you guys are going to do a great job of unpacking. But over the years, I've started to notice that that you know this is a this is a a unique people group, and they have a unique story, and they have a unique experience. Unfortunately, and just being very real and raw about it, I feel like to many second generation like myself, uh, that story is not really being exchanged, right? And I don't think it's because of animosity as much as maybe other factors. So anyways, I just feel that right now, um, in the bigger picture, grand scheme of things, as it really seems like God is doing something very unique 
uh, both from a cultural and a prophetic perspective with the Asian American church at this moment in time, I just felt like in the midst of all of that, the 1.5 experience has to be talked about and dialogued about. So that's really why we're here today, just me kind of setting the conversation. So kind of really without further ado, I mean, maybe I'll just tap on you uh, first, Kevin, but like, you know, in, in, um, you know, I want you to be able to take your time with it, but maybe kind of in a, in a condensed fashion though, like how would you describe, actually forget the word condensed. I just want you to share and breathe and, and you as well, Paul, but how would you describe your 1.5 journey uh, here in America? Uh, yeah. Uh, so when I first came to America, um, I was around 10 years old, 11 years old. I didn't even know uh, the term 1.5 generation. Uh, most of people don't know. Um, it's just a sociological term that people uh, name us. Um, so we, I didn't know if I belong to first gen, second gen, or 1.5 gen. So it's, I think it's safe to say that my journey here in America, or just as Kevin Lee started as with really no identity, uh, without knowing uh, what my background is, uh, what my calling is, things like that. So in, in very uncertainty, I just started to find out and form myself into uh what God has called us. And obviously I'm doing this with a bunch of other 1.5 gen Korean Americans who are also trying to find mm. what their significance is in this, wow. um, in this country, in their life and in the kingdom of God. So I think it was just full of questions. Um, mm. Who am I? Am I Korean? Am I, am I American? Am I comfortable in Korean? Am I comfortable in English? Uh, to be honest, I'm uncomfortable in both, both right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, things like that. So it, there wasn't really a case ahead of us that yes. were telling me, hey, hey, you are 1.5 gen yeah. and you have this purpose. Yeah. Um, wow. Nobody told, told us that. So I think we were on our own with a group of 1.5 generations that don't know that they're 1.5 gen trying to find out their identity. So it's just a, it was just a, a journey of finding ourselves um, in, in foreign countries. Let me just slide in for a second and just share something funny. I mean, I think, and I, and I share this phrase cause I feel like it captures the, what you just said so well. So we were talking on the phone the other day, Kevin, and I just asked you this question. I said, um, is Korean or English mo more comfortable for you? And you pause there for like 15 <laughs> seconds and you're like, I don't know. And I yeah. said, and that's the answer. That was the answer. The answer was, I don't know. And so, yeah, yeah Paul, I, I would love for you to share your, your just, yeah, whatever you're feeling on your heart, but just your personal journey and all of this. Yeah, so for me, technically, I call myself a one point five generation Korean Canadian American. So <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's quite a layers there. <laughs> While I was born in Korea, I followed my dad to the States. For the first time, I was around three. For about six years, I was moving around from 
from Los Angeles to Dallas, Texas, Miami, Florida for about a total of six years. And, um, you know, it was quite unsettling time just because I was trying to learn English and trying to fit in, uh, but being uh, the only probably Asian American, Korean American there, it was just very difficult, right? Mm. Um, and around age nine, uh, all my family, we got back to Korea. And that was another disruptive shift in my journey because I didn't speak Korean again. So I had wow. to learn Korean from bottom up and just, I was just thrusted into the public um, Korean school environment. And that was really challenging too. Um, and then around age 14, um, that's when I felt like, gosh, like I don't really see myself a future here in Korea just because how your identity is so much wrapped around your grades, right? And being in that hyper competitive environment. Yeah. Uh, I was just experiencing a lot of, a lot of um, maybe anxiety, feeling depressed about my future. So even at that very young age, I felt like, man, there isn't a future hope for me here. So I ended up persuading my parents and said, like, I, I, I want to go back to North America. Wow. So um, I think it was the same year as Kevin, 2001. That's when I ended up moving to Canada, uh, Vancouver, with another friend of mine. And as a Yuak Singh. As a Yuak Singh, literally. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was another shift. So I'm going from east to west, back to east, into the west. And with all that change, um, it's really caused me to think about why am I doing this? Who, who am I? All these questions. I, I really had to become independent. Mm. Earlier on, I stayed with a Canadian homestay family. And there were a number of you know, different experiences with them, some really bad, some really good. Um, but wow. in the middle of all that, just dealing with a sense of loneliness, sense of asking about my own identity, um, and ultimately trying to find my place within this whole process of going back and forth. And um, so even at that time, you know, I didn't understand the whole picture. Now I see God's hand and his divine providence over this and helping me understand. I, I speak both languages. I understand both cultures. So um, there is a very unique role that 1.5 gens play. Um, wow. Ultimately, I believe as a translator or a, or a bridge builder um, between different generations, different cultures. So um, yeah, that, that was, you know, a, a big shift for me. Um, mm -hmm. So now it's over, been over 20 years, you know, almost uh, living in America in North America. Uh, wow. So, but I, I definitely still resonate a lot with, by being Korean because during my formative years, a lot of my cultural values, beliefs were shaped in Korea. Um, so it's, it's still a very essential part of who I am. This is so good. I'm like formulating questions as I'm listening, which is what the INFP does so well. Anyways, um, <laughs> well, here, just, just a quick feedback. I mean, both of your guys' stories are so unique. 
you know, even as you were talking about the yuakseng, uh, which is a Korean word for foreign exchange student, right, or foreign student, I realized that even there's such a variance even within the 1.5 experience and many 1.5s came here as foreign exchange students. So it's almost like that becomes a whole, you know, uh, experience and a shared experience in and of itself. Um, just wanted to highlight that in the event that we revisit that uh, here in the future. But, you know, I, I want to just keep kind of stimulating questions because this is, I'm learning a lot and I'm excited to draw out a lot, but, you know, no particular fashion or order, but like, how would you guys describe the 1.5 generation experience, maybe in a word or a phrase, and give me the reason why? Yeah, I can go. Um, I, I, I thought about, you know, a word or a phrase or even a picture that would describe us and I just, I just thought that were uh, that number one point five, that number just stood out to me. Um, mm. I thought about that number for a long time. Um, just try to draw out some meaning, significance from that number, mm. and I realized. If you have you ever thought about it, it's not even a whole number. It's not <laughs> like one. It's yeah. not the point five of something. Right. You know. Wow. Yeah, I think that describes us so well. Wow. I think we we we're not even a whole number. Um, there will always be a first generation. There's always will be a second generation. Always mm. will be a third generation. But we are a point five of something. And there's mm. just so much things that we can draw out from that. I'm choking up as I'm I'm saying yeah. this because um, yes. obviously there are a lot of positives uh, to that. You know, we can function in the first generation society. We can function in the second generation society. We have our own community as well. And yet we, we are, we are not named in, or we're not, uh, not to want that, but we're not um, just talked about, yeah. uh, recognized. Yeah. Um, because of that, I don't think even 1.5 generations even recognize themselves as yes. being someone special. We always had to choose, yes. do I want to fit into the first generation community or the second generation community? You, wow. t you, you hear about first generation Korean American church, you talk about second gen church, but you really never hear, hear about 1.5 generation church. That's right. Um, even though there are a lot of them. So, yes. you know, like a number, you know, a lot of other names or words, you know, come to mind, you know, you can say diaspora or um, things like that. But I think the number itself speaks a lot into who we are. Yes. And what we're supposed to do. No, Kevin, that's so profound. Um, and yeah, after I, I asked the same question to Paul, I mean, I'll just give a quick snapshot of even this kind of statistical history of 1.5s in, in, America, but I just want to first just give commentary as we're moving, but it's like, I appreciate the way you guys are talking about this because honestly, I feel like you're truly humanizing the, the conversation. And I think that that's very important right now because, you know, at the end of the day, 
you know, we're, we're not going to simply connect with one another mentally, but we're going to be connecting, uh, at a deeper place. And so I just wanted to say that, um, Paul, for you, brother, how would you describe the 1.5 experience in a word or a phrase? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I resonate a lot with what Kevin is saying. And in some sense, I, I really like the word lost in translation. Mm. lost in transition mm. um but it goes both ways because in, in many ways we we have this unique ability and challenge uh, mm. challenge actually presented to us where we are thrusted in this new environment and we gotta learn how do we assimilate how do we acclimate yes right? um that's that's a real challenge how do we build relationships with people who are non-Koreans, um, many, many, many of those challenges, a lot of Koreans living in Korea, they don't really have to go through. But, um, but for 1.5 gens, that's a learned skill that they have to acquire, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's challenging. And at the same time, you know, you're so deeply rooted to your country. Yes. So you're also connecting with your first gen. And as someone who is kind of caught in the middle, you're feeling, how do I translate this cultural value that I'm learning in the West mm. with what I've been brought up by my parents and as deeply rooted in my Korean identity. Now you're mm. starting to see a tension mm. um, and, and just not, not just language wise, but culturally value wise, belief wise. And in the midst of that, you feel lost. Mm. And I feel that's an, ex an experience many people have a difficulty getting because yeah, there's just a, a smaller population of people now who, who could now be characterized as a 1.5 gen. But um, I feel there, there's that sense of feeling lost and feeling I need to be heard and my, my voice needs to go out and share, but that's also very challenging because yes. like Kevin said, I'm not fully Korean. I'm not fully American. So the, perhaps the question, at least yeah. for me is, I mean, do I even have a right to share this? <laughs> I feel like I don't wow. really fit in. Wow. So, um, a sense of deep loneliness. Yeah. Uh, question about the future. Uncertainty. Yes. Um, all those things I feel are very much part of that phrase of what I'm trying to capture as lost in translation. It's so good. And just to answer what I know was a rhetorical question, but not, I think the three of us are standing together on this podcast by collectively saying, yes, your story does matter. And yes, it's time for it to come out. I just want to say that to anyone who's listening. Um, you know, just real quick, I think, you know, um, the Korean immigration story in America is very unique. I mean, the Korean immigration story globally is very unique. But in America, we really kind of saw like three waves, right? So there was the major wave of the early 60s and 70s, because in 1965, the Immigration Act was signed, which now opened the doors to countries like Korea. My parents were a part of that wave. 
there was another wave of the 80s and 90s. Uh, many Koreans started flooding into the metropolitan cities. And then I think what is very pertinent to the 1.5 is really the immigration wave of the last 20 years, right? Um, there's been a major influx of Koreans coming in, many of them through the avenue of foreign exchange student or foreign student, um, but not limited to that. And I think this is where the two of you kind of find your bedrock in your own immigration story here. Here's the question that's like burning on my heart as I'm listening to both of you talk, right? As a Korean American, we feel stuck between two cultures of America and Korea. We've talked about this for like 10 years. I'm not going to belabor that at this moment in time, but we do feel our own stuckness. But to now kind of take that macroscopic lens and to, uh, and to kind of dial in uh, at a more fine-tuned level and to look at the now 1.5 experience, what I'm hearing you both say is that you feel stuck between second gen and one, which is another dimension of tension. So I want to ask both of you, um, whoever has kind of a, a, a sense or a feeling to share first, but I'd love to ask these two questions. What is the disparity that you as a 1.5 feel first with first gen? And then I would love to hear it from how you feel that disparity with second gen. Don't be I, Korean about it and someone speak up. Right. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. We're so, Andy, we, we relate with you in a second gen culture. But yes. Paul and I, we, we operate out of like the first gen culture where the young needs to go first. <laughs> the Dongjing has no right to say anything before. The young opens his mouth. So, <laughs> yeah, but I can. I, I think I can speak into this. Um, the the relationship between the first gen and the second gen that we have with with the the respective cultures mm. is is very unique. Um, mm. I think one of the most one of the the gifts that God has given us or has cultivated in almost all 1.5 generation is empathy wow. because we can relate with both cultures so much. Like when I hear about first gen parents worrying about their second gen children, I can relate with them. I, I know exactly what they're worried about. I know exactly what their, what their thoughts are. And I talk to the second generation kids and I know exactly why they are frustrated with first-gen parents. I know exactly wow. what's going on in their lives. I can empathize with both. I can put myself in both areas. And because of that, I think we're so uniquely stuck in this in-between where um, we understand both. So we can't really take both sides. Yeah. <laughs> we're kind of here trying to tell the parents, um, uh, we have to be on the side of the second gen when I talk with the first gen parents. We have wow. to be on the side of the first gen when we are on the second gen. Because of that, I don't think they both feel like we are on their sides. Mm. There's a, a very unique um, dynamic between yes. that. So, wow. Um, I yeah. So that's like when I when I, you know, um, it's funny too. First, when I talk with first gen. Um, even though I'm 1.5, they look at me as a second gen. When I talk with the second gen, even though I'm a 1.5, they look at me as a first gen. Wow. 
So it's, it's, I, I don't think I have an answer for that, but that's the unique dynamic that we have. Uh, maybe the young can kind of explain <laughs> and add, finish my thoughts for me. Come on. Yes, Paul. I'd love that's to hear good. from you, That's brother. really good. I, um, I definitely resonate with that, uh, the ability to understand both worlds and, and feeling this, feeling torn. At, at the disconnect between mm. those two parties, right? The first gen, second gen. And that's why I, I honestly believe that that's the perennial problem with churches, within even churches, there's the KMEM. Like, mm. why did we even wow. create it like that? And you know, what is the role of a 1.5 gen? Um, I don't think that, that that's, the, that's the, the bridge, the translator who's going to be able to do that. But you know, that's another conversation we can kind of dive into around how to do that. But for me, wow. I, I think because we both understand the experience of uh, the first gen and also the second gen, also that gives us an ability to, to see and discern, wow, like our first gen parents, first gen uh, immigrants who came to America, mm. many of them have very much a survival of fittest mentality. Like they're yeah. a pioneer yeah. in, in this time and they didn't have the luxury to often think about your mental health, emotional health. They're like, we just have to survive. You know, um, I haven't seen the movie Minari, but I feel like that's what it really is capturing mm. the, the experience uh, based on what I've seen and heard from others. Um, but as a result of that, there's not only good things like, okay, we got to hustle with there is a sense of like, I have to um, work hard and it gives that hungry spirit that a lot of Korean people talk about. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think as a 1.5 gen, we see there's some unhealthy things too. Yeah. Um, that, that perhaps elevates work over family or all these different dynamics or even confucian values that are deeply yeah. embedded into the the mindset of first gen yeah because that's part of the korean culture mm. but as if i add into a layer being a 1.5 gen korean american christian then i could see wow like there are very good areas that i really want to emulate and model but also areas that i really have to unlearn mm. look at my second gen friends yeah. and there's things that they were brought up and they're they're not carrying the same perhaps baggage or they're seeing things from a very open perspective open heart and i see that's something that we can really learn from so mm. Yeah, it's, it's just like every generation, they have their pros and cons, their unique challenges and strengths. Yeah. And as a 1.5 gen, um, either you could feel completely stuck and feel like I'm nothing. I can't really resonate with both of them. Or um, on a positive way, you could actually be both in some, yes. to some extent and have like both superpowers and able to, to kind of navigate that's Maybe it. I'll add that chameleon to, to, some, to some extent. I could add um, just to the, as Paul was talking, I, I really kind of glanced over my, my relationship with the second gen growing up. And I mm. think I have a different understanding of mm. and different value that I attribute to my second gen friends 
than mm. than I was when I was young. So when I oh, first wow. came to America, I've always looked. There was a a weird dynamics between Itaewon and Fobs, right? So we called <laughs> second gen Itaewon. Itang is a Taiwanese Wonjumin, right? Itaewon called us Fobs, right? Fresh off the boat. Um, yeah. And there was, and I, I don't know. It was because I grew up in a <laughs> school where there were a lot of Koreans. Um, mm. There were different cliques, and there yeah. were, were very divided between yeah. the ones and fobs. And yeah. we've always looked at the second gens as uh, like the the ugly duck of the family, or if you know, what you <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. um, like. 엄마 말도 안 듣고 아빠 말도 안 듣고 that that mm. that type, and they've. Uh, so you know, in a family, because we're family, right? First gen, 1.5 gen, second gen. We're brothers. We're brothers mm-hmm. and sisters, and I think we just, at least my experience, I think I've kind of shunned them and yeah. said, "Oh, those are just um, part of our family that we're not proud of." Yeah. Can I say that? <laughs> like, for um, sure. No, this is good. This but, is really good. But yeah, yeah. But as I grow up. I have such a respect and love for my second gen brothers and sisters. Mm. In a way, I, I have a sister. I have a chinuna um, mm. who kind of grew up in the same setting, 1.5 gen. When I was growing up with her, I really didn't value her. You know, mm. like we, she was just a another person that I need to compete over mm. or against to get the the love of my parents. Right. Mm. So I, I view her that way. Mm. You know, I only appreciated her when she. Um, cooked the food for me when my parents weren't there. Mm. But as I grow older and I, I get in my 30s and she's in her mid-30s, mm. I just appreciate her for who she is. That's right. Yeah, I just appreciate, like, I love the fact that I have a sister. Mm. I love the fact that um, I have someone who I don't have to say much or um, I can be myself and be yes. loved and, and love. And that's how I feel like my relationship with the second gen uh, friends have become. Like, and when I was young in, in my teens, yeah, really didn't have anything to do with them. Um, but as I grew older, grew older and saw some second gen friends, I think we, there was a mutual respect for one another that kind of mm-hmm. grew out of that. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that that's powerful. Both of you guys are saying, and I think the fact that we're having this conversation in a meaningful way is like a demonstrated testimony, right? Um, you know, just as as Paul, as you were sharing too, this this phrase kept coming to my head, and I just want to share it. But it's like now more than ever before, there needs to be there's a, such a great need to be three dimensional in a binary conversation. Right. And I and I just want to say that because actually, when I hear your story as 1.5s, you are the third dimension, actually. You are the three dimensional aspect to what feels like a binary argument between first gen and second gen. So I just want to say that, that 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 is the value. And if God is the sovereign master over history, right? Like, he, there's a purpose behind the 1.5 is what I'm trying to say. Um, see, look, my, my Korean is starting to like spill out now. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, you guys, like when I, 
I, I had an opportunity to uh, preach in Korean at a church in New York. And uh, just the Kwanzaanims came up to me afterward. They were like, Boksanim, Hangumari no Mukio. But guys, now I want to keep the ball rolling because I think, Paul, you introduced kind of this next question really well in terms of the faith experience, right? Um, and I'm sure you didn't even know that you were doing that. But I'd love to ask both of you guys this question. Again, just open-ended. Descri try to describe for me um, what you feel like is the 1.5 generation faith expression and even Shinang, like 1.5세 Shinang, right? What, is, what does faith look like for the 1.5 uh, in your words and in your articulation? Yeah, I think um, to give some perspective into what that experience looks like, mm. we have to understand the, the why behind the 1.5 gens coming to America, right? So mm. I think what's really unique about 1.5 gens is that I came to North America not, not like as a refugee or not as a way to escape from Korea, but for a better future. Mm. When I talk about better future, it's always tied to becoming successful, becoming um, more successful, getting a better education yes. so that I will somehow become what my parents would be proud of, right? So yes. there's already layers of like expectation from my parents, yes. the sense of like, I'm here as a pioneer. I'm like here, I don't know what, what, it's, what all this entails, I'm here to, to, to widen my horizons, right? To get a better education. So that is very much deeply rooted, I think, in the 1.5 generation experience, at least for Yuaksings too, because, mm. you know, like they're here wow. to study primarily. Mm. They're, not, they're not here to first and foremost assimilate. Assimilation yeah. could be a means to an end. Yes. Con wow. Continually say, you know, this is not my home here. No, that's not how I naturally would, call myself so whenever whenever people actually ask me where's home for you like that is probably the most hardest question for me to answer wow because i'm like huh i could answer a couple different ways but it doesn't fully feel like it, it does justice to what wow. really home looks like right wow so that that sense of um of, of coming here for a specific purpose to, to somehow make a name for myself. Usually your parents are the one who are financially investing in your education. So mm. as a children, part of the you know, Sasang, you have the sense of responsibility. Like I That's can't right. just waste my time here. Like I gotta right. do something to prove myself, to, to get that approval from our parents. So, and so you're coming into that mindset and you're coming in with a sense of, you're disconnected, you're, you're isolated, your, your parents and families or relatives are all back in Korea, or for those who immigrated, you know, it's just your parents and they probably don't speak English well. So you got to kind of represent mm. uh, in some ways. But in that space, I feel like in the Korean American diaspora, how do I build relationships? Mm. The most natural way to do that, especially with other fellow Korean is through church. That's right. There's so much 
church population, like the percentage yes. of the Korean diaspora versus those mm. in Korea. So many of them, they end up just stumbling into church and they're like, I'm here to be very honest, very lonely. And I just want yes. to connect with friends, right? Yes. They start to see how the gospel now starts to address some of their existential challenges and questions they're wrestling. Wow. Wow. And they realize, wow, all, all my life, I felt I've been alone. I'm not understood. Mm. There's a God who sees me. There's a God mm. who, who's directed my path. Mm. Very much like Abraham. God's like, go. I'm like, where? I don't even know. So he's going to a, a different land that he's not used to. And he feels very lonely and isolated, but he understands yeah. that God is in control. So for wow. me, I recognize that God was in control. He was the guide of my life. He was the Sherpa of my life. And, wow. and I think that was why I've, I've been much more dependent upon God because I saw God's hand mm. in the midst of all these changes. And again, for me recently, this change of moving from Korea to America, back to Korea, to Canada, and now to here in America. This is not a minor no. change. It's actually a traumatic change. Like it's it is. a disruptive change. And yeah. I, I now I'm calling my previous experience a traumatic experience because at a very young formative age to experience this such a drastic change of culture and language and and building my own personality and doing it without parents and all of that is very traumatic in the lowercase t, you know, not the capital T, so to speak. So I think that's very important to highlight. So they're bringing all of that. I'm sharing all of this because they're bringing that into their church experience or faith experience. Wow. And, and that sense of belonging, sense of being heard and known and thinking about who is God, all of that comes into play. Let me pause right here. Man, this is this this is one of my favorite podcasts ever. I'm just, I really mean that. This is so good right now. Like, man, you know, just pausing real quick, um, Kevin, would love to hear from you. Um, you know, what you're what you just described, Paul, was such was so actually in line with the heartbeat of this podcast, right? the way that I describe it is the unique intersectionality between psychology and spirituality, right? Which I think is a great need in the church today. And what you just did so well was you described more or less the psychological journey of the 1.5 because of the circumstance, right? And you articulated that so well, but then you were able to connect that really through your own life story as to, 하나님이 그 저기를 어떻게 만난 것? You know what I mean? How did God meet you in the midst of all of that? And I just felt like you did such a great job of pointing us to the location of that intersection. So I just wanted to say that, bro. Um, Kevin, I, I just I'm open ears, bro. How would you describe the 1.5 Gen kind of faith expression and all of that? Yeah. That's an interesting question. Um, I think just based upon my my own experience of how I you know, how I met met God, um, you know, I always went to church in in Korea. Uh, always, you know, pride myself in 
엄마 뱃속에 있을 때부터 교회 다니는 right so like 모태신앙 모태신앙 right so that and but I personally met God here in America shortly after I immigrated to America and I always say to my American friends because I I serve at an American church now I when I whenever I have a chance to give my testimony or introduce my story i always said i i met god i i met a korean god that's that's as funny as it sounds but that's how i explained it because that's wow. the best i could explain uh not wow. that god has a, a nationality but right um i met god through you know fervent prayer i met yes. god through i met god through um you know just being at the church and that being the core of my life wow. um So whenever uh, my faith expression is, is, is really funny, whenever I have something that I need to pray and I need to really God to show up in my life, the first thing that I think about is mm. right? right? So like, that's, that's the first thing uh, we always have to do. We have always to have to do some kind of 40 day something, you know, um, mm. things like that. And, but also, Also, what's funny is now that I'm in American community, I can worship God with my hand in my pocket and one hand in my pocket and one hand in the air yes. and just casually praise God, not to say anything good or bad about any culture, but I can express my, my worship to God in both ways. And I, and I love that. Um, I think about it, I love, you know, um, the couples, Uh, American couples who come to worship center mm. and they hold their hands and worship God together. You, you yes. would never see that in first generation. Like <laughs> It's content, true. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think just my, my faith is deeply rooted in first generation faith expression. And yet I can still appreciate and express myself in how second gen or Americans will express it. So Wow. I think that's that's where I'm at. Let, let me let me slide in here and, and just share kind of a personal antidote. Um, man, I'm 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 gleaning so much right now. Um, so much of this I knew at a mental level, but I just feel like there's something very living about this conversation. Um, but I want to just share a personal antidote. Um, some of I think, Paul, you know, my story and I think, Kevin, I've shared bits and pieces, but You know, when I first met God, when I first met Jesus, actually, the first time I felt like I was sensing his voice, like a, a real pulling to me was actually in jail in Washington, D.C., 2006, right? That's a whole nother story in and of itself. But fast forwarding my journey, I actually really had an encounter with Jesus in a very profound way at a homeless shelter in Birmingham, Alabama. And then a month later, I found myself in Kona, Hawaii at the University of the Nations, Yolbangdeak, right? YWAM. And it was really during that time that I would say was my spiritual formative years, right? I feel like in YWAM, I really started to develop my own kind of spiritual color, or whatever you want to call it, right? But here's what I'm trying to highlight. Actually, one of the most formative moments during that six month period with YWAM was actually a, a special seminar night. It, this is it just, it's so strong in my memory. 
where Dr. Daniel Pack, um, whom we all know, uh, came and was doing a special seminar titled Diaspora. Okay. It's the first, it's the first time I ever heard that phrase in my life. Okay. And I remember being in the back with my other Korean American second gen friend, his name's Andy Park from LA. And as we were sitting in the back, we weren't even like supposed to go to the seminar. We just walked by and we saw a bunch of Koreans, you know, in this seminar. And he was actually doing it both in English and Korean, right? Because it was a mainly Korean speaking audience. And so anyways, I'm sitting there in the back and I'm just watching his slides describing, in essence, God's redemptive purpose around diaspora. And I remember for the next hour, I literally felt like my stomach was on fire. I, I could not explain it. I felt like, like mm. it was such a deep resonance. And I realized that that deep resonance was this seamless ability to articulate the convergence points of so many realities of my life and my experience under the redemptive lens of God. And I've never heard anyone do that in my life. And I just remember, you know, really, really being impacted by that. I fast forward this to say that, you know, maybe I'm like a little bit weird as a second gen, maybe I kind of deviate from the typical narrative. But, you know, for me, I have been deeply impacted by um, Korean spirituality and Korean worship, Korean songs. You know, um, I was telling you, Kevin, some of the one of the songs that I sing all the time is Junim Nega Yogi Sauni, right? Like, like that song has such a deep place in my heart. But I say all of that because when I was in, I lived in South Korea from 2014 to 2018, right? Or sorry, 2011 to 2014, I apologize. And that was actually the time period where I connected with you, Paul, and right shortly thereafter. And it was actually during my experience in Korea. So the reason why I'm sharing this is I'm almost like crisscrossing your traverse journey. Does that make sense? Like you guys are telling me your perspective as this Korean born who came to America. And let me just say this, because I've never, I've never articulated this in my life. I feel like God allowed me to have my own unique 1.5 moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. As a... So you traversed the 1.5 journey as a one to the 1.5, but I felt like I got to traverse the journey in backwards fashion as a second gen going backward as a 1.5. Man, I just feel goosebumps right now. It's like, so I've never articulated this before, but when I lived in Korea for four years, there was a lot of other, at the moment in time and still today, there's a lot of kyopos, right? There's a lot of second gen. There's a lot of you know, second gen that came back for work and tutoring and all of this stuff. But I'll just kind of finish my story with this. I think God gave me a real grace during my four years to not sequester myself with just second gen. And I really, really thank God for that. I think this is what allows us to have a, a sense of, of mutuality even now. But like in my four years in Korea, I really thank God that he allowed me to connect with the Korean people at a very deep level. And, you know, it's not great, but that's where my Korean really started to grow. My, my vocabulary, my fluency with the language and, and truly started to reconnect with who I 
was in the backward fashion. So I just want to share my own personal antidote um, with that. Okay, and ask you one question, Andy, because please. That's, like, that's also very important. Ask me whatever you want, brother. Learning. Yeah. For a second gen, you go backwards, experience your root in many yes. ways. So like, mm. what was that experience? Like what surprised you as a second gen mm. growing up in America and going and living in Korea? Was there anything that surprised you that you probably didn't think about or something you kind of on the insight you had about, wow, like I had no idea about this part of my identity or how did it shape you to better feel more rooted and connected with your Koreanness, and yeah. how has that translated in better understanding the first gens and the 1.5 gens? Yeah, <laughs> I'll just share a quick story for like comic relief, but it highlights this point. Okay, so you know, as a second gen, many of us grew up going visiting Korea maybe every four or five years. That's a very typical second gen experience, right? I remember in the year 2002, specifically during the World Cup, right? going as a second gen Kyopo. And there was still at that at that season and time, there was still this like intrigue of being a second gen. So I remember going to like some Myeongshil, right? In Gangnam and the lady's cutting my hair and she's like, are you from America? And I'm like, yeah. And so there was still this like intrigue, right? And, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's like a sense of like false pride that you carry, you know, like I'm from America, you know what I mean? But this is the funny joke. Like, I remember when I actually moved there in 2011. At that time, the Korean experience already became global. And so I feel like that it, that intrigue with second gen kind of evaporated. So I kind of went back being like, hey, I'm the second gen. And they're like, yeah, good for you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't care anymore, you know, because Koreans at the time and still to this day are are flourishing in so many aspects and industries. So that's just a funny story. But yeah, to answer your question, Paul, I mean, I'll say kind of two things. I think number one, um, and it's it's really interesting what I'm sensing right now is just the, the mirroring of experiences that you guys feel as 1.5. And the reason why I say that is when I went back, I felt my own culture shock, okay? And I quickly, you know, this is the feeling, right? It's like, as a as a as a second gen right growing up in america we're the minority and we're not the majority culture and so you almost feel like your back is against the wall and you want to like embrace your korean identity as a juxtaposition to the majority right there's that sense of us and then you carry that sentiment with you to korea and then you realize man i'm not as korean as i thought mm. that was my experience and I went there and I was like, man, I'm like in the sea of my own people. You know what I mean? Like, like as I walk the valleys of Gangnam, all <laughs> I see is black hair. You know what I mean? Like, hallelujah. Like I'm in my promised land. And honestly, like I really went in with that type of idealism, but I feel like God allowed me to go through this very deep humbling experience actually. And it's like, yes, Andy, these are your people culturally speaking. But, um, but I too felt that deep sense of culture shock. And I'll just say one more thing too, like, so that's kind of my early processes, but, you know, 
I think through my four-year journey in Korea, one thing that I'm very thankful for is that I really was able to make an intentional effort to re reconnect with my land, my language, and my lineage or history, right? And, um, you know, and you guys know that I'm, a, I'm an avid student of Korean church history, and that was really catalyzed during my time there. And even the land, you know, I'm very thankful that I didn't just stay in Seoul, but I traveled all over the place, Gwangju, Busan, you know, Gangwon-do, everywhere, you know, we really got to traverse the land. And yeah, I think the final thing is really, I want to highlight language as my last point, but like, I started to understand the profundity of language and what language is really about. Language is our expressive tool. It's our, it's our expressive mechanism. And I'll just say this. I realize, as a, even as a second gen now, there are many feelings and phenomena that I cannot conjure up in the English language. I have to use Korean. And, um, and so I would just say that, that, that was kind of my journey in a nutshell. I, I hope that answers your question, Paul. That's powerful. And I think for any second gen listening to this, um, who's, who's also maybe asking the same questions you've had, Andy, mm -hmm. I think that, that really um, is a great way for you to share your perspective. So yeah, thank you for giving a couple minutes to be the MC. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I It's refreshing to be the interviewed. Um, guys, I want to kind of shift gears in a sense, and I want to ask maybe a, a kind of a series of questions here. But, you know, yeah, I think that just on this podcast thus far, I feel like there's such a common understanding um, that's been achieved through this level of communication. Um, you know, going back to the question of the unique faith experience, right? I remember being on the phone with you, Kevin, and even hearing the stories and the data of, you know, what we would call kind of like a revival movement, you know, um, amongst the 1.5s. And I want to say this as a second gen, uh, I am so sorry that I never heard that story. You know, I am so sorry that I never um, even was able to hear that story and to celebrate it, right? but I know that it's true. Um, can, can one of you guys, and, and both of you guys actually, in any shape or form, can you guys kind of describe the phenomena that you're seeing now of maybe this, this surge of 1.5s and where you feel like 1.5s are right now, um, kind of in their faith journey, just from your, you know, your unique vantage point? Yeah. Um, Andy, when we were talking, I shared briefly about um, the movement of God amongst 1.5 Gen. And I, I think my, my story is unique, but it's also, I think it's com comprehensive of what God did uh, during the, the third wave that you saw, you said, of, of immigration. Um, so from like 2000 to, I would say, 2010, maybe to you know, maybe before me, but that's when I kind of experienced it. But I grew up here in Southern California, went to one of the largest Korean American churches where we had a Korean speaking youth group. Um, mm. 
right? That's very unique. Um, I think right now in Southern Cal, there's probably three or four wow. Korean youth groups left. But mm. before, like in early 2000s, there there were quite a bit. Uh, but one, our youth group was one of the be- one of the biggest, mm. and um, where we had to separate youth group into junior high and high school. Like we had wow. a Korean junior high. In Korean high school, <laughs> and um, I experienced a revival in in those Korean youth group where, um, like, we had about two hundred and fifty Korean high school students that came Ooh, every week. Wow, right? two fifty every week. These are all fobs, right? <laughs> and when we went to retreat, we had like hundred and fifty or two hundred people that went and were. God just poured out his grace. Uh, wow. We all experienced the presence of God. A lot of people come into their lives to, uh, to God, not just in salvation, but just their life as a service to God. And I, wow. I still remember that in, in various altar calls of commissioning their lives to God, there were a sea of people that went up to the altar committing their lives to the service of the Lord. And many of whom I still do life with. Wow. And, and in, as, as we go from that, the awakening or the revival age to 2020, 2021, I, I feel like, um, many of, many of us, uh, lost that, um, many of us have, have lost, um, I, I explain it this way where, um, the, the core core of our lives have moved away from God. Um, they, their lives didn't move away from God. Their, their hearts moved away from God where, um, decision points, um, are made before, you know, in this revival development years, I've, I was very used to conversations like, oh, I want to go to this college, but I don't see a good church there. Mm. Therefore, I'm not going to go to that college, even though wow. that is the college that I want to go to. Wow. I, I was very used to be in a conversation where, oh, like this company offered me such a great option or such a great offer. And yet there is nobody to do faith with. So I'm not going to go, not going to take that. Jesus. You know, in those conversations, you know, and 1.5 generation Korean Americans, they are primed for good offers. They, mm. um, because they're bilingual, because they're bicultural, because they're adaptability, mm. Um, mm. they are advantageous in a lot of these things. And yet I saw them declining those options to be with the church, to, to wow. have their lives centered on the Lord. And Nowadays, I'm not part of those conversations anymore. I don't, I, yeah, I'm. I don't. I'm not sure if I'm explaining that correctly, but I, I no, see no, a, no, a, no, it's good. a huge shift of if there is any 1.5 generation Korean Americans who are hearing this. Um, I almost want to ask, like, where is that heart? Like, where is that fire? Mm. Um, where we mm. were so centered on. Um, the church centered yeah. on God where mm. um, so that's just um, 
not to honne like my yeah. brothers and sisters, but to um, just kind of reawaken um, yes. our hearts um, that we've experienced. Um, just one last thing, my, my youth pastor, who I still have connection with, he said, Kevin, it's a rarity that it's rare that you experience revival in your lifetime. A lot of people witness it. A lot of people see from the far, like far um, from afar, or they study it. But it's very rare that you experience a revival and your generation experienced it. Like our 1.5 generation who met God and gave their lives to, to the Lord in the early 2000s, we experienced it. We, weren't, mm. we were not witnesses of it. We were part of it. We're in the That's midst right. of it. And I think we have a unique responsibility as those who are, have experienced it to carry on what it means to, to live like those who have experienced God's revival. Yeah. Wow. Paul, I'm, I'm going to just let you share your heart any way you want, brother, if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, that's very well said. And that was my experience too, right? At the heels of moving to Canada, studying abroad, like in the early 2000s, I remember going to like a Costa event in Vancouver and wow, that, that, that night, it was crazy. <laughs> like I was just in tears and just really felt this hunger, this desire for, for people to meet God. And, and they're just, yeah, I, I didn't go to a necessarily a Korean church for me. I, I went to a lot of Canadian churches. So, but there are seasons of, of my time in Canada where I did go and either serve at a Korean church or go into different events. I felt the fire there. Mm. Right? And that's that was interesting because um, Kevin, you know, was living in a probably the most concentrated yeah. place well for Koreans uh, in America yeah Vancouver at that time too was really just flourishing and just growing uh, with a lot of Korean uh, immigrants there too but it's cool to see that it wasn't just like a city experience but mm. really a Korean all in the Korean diaspora in America mm. they're all experiencing the same thing right um, so I definitely agree over time we have seen a major decline, wow. very steep decline. And that really concerns me. Like that truly concerns me because we call it now the Kanan Songdo, mm. which, mm. which uh, Kanan, if you say it backwards, is Annaga. Mm. <laughs> so um, it's unchurched. Interesting. People. It's believing without belonging. And church. Uh, and faith has become privatized uh, due to a lot of individualization of culture, the liberalism of culture. Yeah. All of that influences us. So yeah. now this is not just a 1.5 generation problem, but this is a larger societal cultural problem that, you know, every people have are facing with, right? This, this tension of how policies are changing, how all these you know, things are changing. So that's kind of the world, the last couple of decades of what 1.5 gens also had to navigate towards too, right? 
And, and, and that's why I feel really a sense of loss. This is a grief for 1.5 gens because like Kevin was saying, where was that first love? Yes. Where is that first love and that, that heart to go after God's heart? And I think partly if we would analyze that, there's obviously many reasons, but I feel part of it is perhaps there wasn't a safe community a mm. place where we could cultivate that mm. because we just privatized our faith. And it's easy for 1.5 gen to kind of be like this nomad going yeah. here and here and wow. not feeling wow. connected to either the first gen or the second gen. So, you know, life happens and you're like, oh, I haven't gone to church for now a couple of years. And I don't wow. know if I really believe God anymore. And I think that that really is an issue. And now if you look at Korea, very recently, there was yeah. a news article talk, talking about, I mean, Korea, we are currently, our birth rate is the lowest out of all the OECD countries. That's right. Below 1.0 is like 0.9 something. And for the first time in history, the number of newborn babies in South Korea fell below the number of deaths. Yes. And now if you watch the news, over half the majority of teens and 20 somethings, they said like, you know, there's no need to have children. There's the, the, my life is already so challenging. Yeah. It's hard to get a house in Korea, right? Everything is just the, the, the market prices has increased significantly. All of that created all these challenges. And many of them in, in their own justification, right? Is like, I don't, I don't know if I can survive to have, wow. I can afford to have kids. And we're seeing, uh, I mean, now you don't really see a lot of 1.5 gens now. I mean, it's even fewer than the 2000, Before, yeah. early 2000s. So, I mean, the 1.5 gens may actually disappear. That's, that's really my concern. And for those like Kevin and myself, we could become like this relic. I'm like, who's 1.5 gen? Because now many, many Koreans in Korea, they don't actually have a need to come to America because they they have Costco there. <laughs> Back in the day, <laughs> the gift is like, we would buy all these royal jellies, vitamins from Costco, <laughs> go bring it to Korea and our aunts and grandparents, they would be like super stoked. But I mean, they have Costco right there. So why, you know, why, why do they need to go to America? Like they're, they're so much well off in many, in many ways. So wow. Been a huge shift that I feel that that's the that's the reality we're in right now. I'm gonna give a quick commentary, um, just gleaning, learning so much. I learned something new about the Kanan Songdo. Never heard that before. Um, one thing that I'm kind of gleaning and I'm picking up is kind of the distinction between second gen 1.5 as it pertains to church life, and I feel like the 1.5. I don't want to say that second gen didn't care about church life as much, but I feel like listening to your story, the church life played such a centrality and such a significance to the 1.5. And 
I think to do it justice, I'd love to even explore that conversation on a separate conversation because I think that there's so much that's there, right? Let me just say something and, and, and we're kind of starting to descend, but I'm going to reiterate what I said from the beginning of this podcast. I believe with every fiber of my heart that what you and I are talking about is not just relevant and pertinent. I would even say it's prophetic. I will say that. And the reason why I say that is because I truly believe that we are not simply here to diagnose, but I believe we're here to lend our hearts before God and to stand in the gap, right? Um, you know, Jungbo Kido doesn't have to just come through Kido. It can happen through conversation, right? And I feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're standing here as brothers to obviously conversate, but to also say collectively that I don't believe that God is done with the 1.5. Uh, God's not done. This is his story. Um, this is about him and he's not done. Um, I'm going to kind of open the table and ask this question. And let me just say what I'm about to say. Uh, I'm going to ask you to actually express what you want to share in the way that is most comfortable for you. So if it's Korean, just 한국말로 다 표현해. If it's Konglish, just whatever. But I just want to give that freedom here. But the last question that I have for both of you is what if we could attempt to try to articulate and share, what do you believe in your heart that God uh, wants to say and do with 1.5s at this time? Uh, as his sons and, and daughters, uh, I'll just open it up. I think for me, what immediately come up was um, from Isaiah 49, um, verse uh, 15, 16. says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast wow. and have compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. And I just feel like God really is wanting the 1.5 gen to say that I have not forgotten you. Mm. That you have a divine purpose, part of the grand scheme that God is writing this beautiful story in our time today. And for any 1.5 gen, my brothers and sisters who are hearing this, that we have a unique role to play. Yeah. And we are to be a translator, to be a bridge builder, and, and, to, and to recognize that, not only recognize about that, that, but acknowledge that is our unique contribution to the kingdom. Yeah. So 
I want every one of my brothers and sisters to know that like, I hope you hear this and I hope you are encouraged that you've, you're not alone. And we are here too, wherever we are, like yeah. challenges that you're going through, the, the struggles you're having, we are experiencing as well. And I, I truly believe God is mobilizing 1.5 gens like Kevin and myself and others. Yeah. You are having the same heart and I believe it. There, there will be a very specific place that we get to play in this, this, this thing that God is weaving in our history today. So yeah, that's kind of what stands up for me right now. Yeah. Just as, yeah, Paul have explained, I, Andy, what you said about, um, that God is not finished mm. um, with 1.5 generation. It's just so refreshing to hear it from, wow. from you and second generation, because I've always wanted to say it. Um, usually it's the 1.5 generations that say to one another. Um, but I, I not only think that God is not finished, I think is only beginning yeah. to write it yes you know when, when i came to america and took english class um when you write a story there are climax right there's beginning of the story there's a climax and what leads the plots that lead to the climax are called rising actions yes I think we've seen few moments of rising actions in the midst of god's story for 1.5 generation americans and I, I really want to say to my brothers and sister who are 1.5 generation, there, there is a reason why you are bilingual. Yes. There is a reason why you can function 100% comfortably in American society and in Korean society. There's a reason why you are empathetic. There's, reason why you are bicultural there's a reason why you're adaptive and flexible mm. these aren't for these aren't for our own success these aren't for our own happiness to think that these gifts are given to us that these fruits are cultivated in us just for our sake is such a misunderstanding of God. That's a, such a minimizing of God in our lives. Um, yeah, I, it's God has a reason. Um, and I see this, this is how I kind of going back to the question. This is how I experienced even the Bible. When I read the Old Testament, Joseph was a 1.5 gen. Yeah. Daniel was a 1.5 gen. Esther yeah. was a 1.5 gen. Mm. They probably went to a new culture, new country in their teens. Exactly mm. the 1.5 gen wow. people. And I don't think it was, I think God developed specific skills through their 1.5 generation journey to bring about God's redemption, which are all rising stories to Jesus Messiah coming to a new culture in in this earth right so i 
I think we got to be ready. I think we have to be ready um, not to look for high, higher paying jobs, not to look for happiness in this earth, which we all can get. Uh, every 1.5 gen Korean Americans that, that I, I know, and I shouldn't say every, but most yeah. are in great places right now. Yeah. Too, maybe too good to have forgotten God. Um, wow. And we need to, we need to know that there is a reason why we shed the tears in our early years, why we felt embarrassed every time we slipped and we, the accent slipped out of our mouths. Every reason why we were embarrassed of our first gen Korean, Korean parents who couldn't speak the language. There is a reason why you bore that suffering mm. and for God's assignment. And I just want to say that to my Korean American 1.5 gen, second gen brothers and sisters. Yeah. You know, what I'm about to share, I, none of this is like premeditated or scripted, but I just want to say this. And I feel that it's a very real moment right now that, you know, I just want to say this, that on behalf of second gen, I truly and sincerely want to first repent and apologize for our own brokenness and our own inability to truly see you guys and girls as brothers and sisters. I think this is a very real statement that if we were to search the crevice hearts of every second gen, uh, this is our reality. And I just say in the sight, in the presence of God, uh, I repent. We repent for that. I am sorry um, that in so many ways, actually, you know, we should have been the brother actually to help acclimate you here in this land. But as a rejection of maybe even our own brokenness, I don't think we were able to navigate that well. So forgive us for, for that. That's what I want to say. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just share one last thing and I, and, and, it's weird, but I feel like I want to address 1.5, if that's okay, right? As a, as a bro, right? Um, yeah. You know, first and foremost, let me just say this. Uh, as I think about 1.5s this very moment, my heart is actually filled with in a more profound sense of hope and gratitude than I've ever felt before. I really, really, really mean that. Um, mm-hmm. I feel hope. I feel the hope of God right now. One thing I want to say, um, I'm going to, yeah. I'm about to share something that I've never gone public with, but I'm going to make the statement right now as a declaration. There's sometimes that God tells us to ask, and there's times that God tells us to declare with confidence and faith, right? And what I want to say right now is we are going to, we are about to see the beginnings of a first 1.5 
second gen and first generation movement together. I declare that in the name of Jesus. I believe that as 1.5 and second gen start to walk hand in hand, I would even say this conversation may be catalytic in and of itself, that we are actually going to see the bridge get or the, the gap of the bridge reconcile because second gen were never meant to do it alone. We cannot do it alone. We've needed you guys the whole time and we didn't know how to humble ourselves and to ask for your help. Okay. When I was living in Korea, 2013 in particular, in one of my seminary uh, semesters, I actually felt like God revealed something to me that I've never seen before about the story of Exodus. We know this story so well. Moses, right, who was, uh, uh, he was Hebrew, raised in an Egyptian culture, only to later on in his life see the mistreatment of his own people, kills the Egyptian, runs away and hides because he's going through this deeply existential crisis. Moses, probably in the search of his life, has a burning bush experience with God. This is Exodus chapter 3. He has a burning bush experience with God in the wilderness. And God appears to him and says, Moses, Moses, right? Who are you? I am that I am. And we know the story so well, but God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, I'm going to use you to be a deliverer for your people. Moses cannot comprehend this at this moment, but he knows who he's standing before. And he says this statement, actually. He says, I can't even talk well. That's the Andean version, okay? <laughs> Moses says, I don't, like, I don't know how to talk. I, I cannot communicate effectively. And can I just tell you what God's answer was? This is God's answer. I've raised up. I've raised up your brother, Aaron. I've raised up your brother, Aaron. Moses, you're not going to do this by yourself. I've raised up your brother, Aaron. And your brother, Aaron, has been with the people the entire time. Your brother, Aaron, knows how to speak to the Hebrews because he's been a Hebrew this entire time. Your brother, Aaron, knows the culture of the people because he's been a part of it this entire time. This has been the great need of the second gen where we were never meant to fulfill our calling by ourselves, We have been des des uh, designed and, and, and ordained by God to lock arms with our 1.5 brothers and to do it together. And I want to make that statement today that the wall of hostility breaks today. It's done today. We are going to move in a different direction. I'll just finish with this. I believe it's Exodus 3.27. I could be butchering the, the verse, but... I saw something in that story that I've never seen before. After God tells Moses, I've raised up your brother Aaron to do this with you. It actually says when you read that story that Moses and Aaron met on the mountain of God. They did not meet on the mountain of common culture, although that's a part of it. They did not meet on the common culture of theology per se. They met on the mountain of God. They met because God ordained it. So it says that they met 
on the mountain of God. And it, in some translations say this, they kissed one another. Most translations uh, translated as they embraced one another. Guys, I just want to say this. I've been holding on to this story in my heart for like seven years. And I am truly saying that I believe I am releasing this right now for such a time as this. I just want to say that you guys, I love you, Paul. Seriously, you know that I do. I love you, Kevin. Like, you know, like not just as friends, but like, like I really am thankful for you guys. And I just want to say, like, I want to do whatever God's called us to do together. Absolutely. Thanks for, for saying that. I, I think as just witnessing and hearing your heart out, I think it would be a miss to um, not offer our own apologies uh, to the second gen um, brothers and sisters. And I sh briefly shared it where we've kind of dismissed one another and really didn't see the value at, at some points where we were embarrassed of one another. Yeah. And yet I think our relationship today and the, our journey today, I hope and pray that it will be a reflection of what God will do and yes. will continue to do in our culture and in his story. Come on. Paul, do you yeah. have any final words, bro? For me personally, this, this time has been just very enriching. Um, so I appreciate just having us to convert, have this conversation around this, that um, what I'm taking away is like, we're not here to do this alone. No. We need each other. And how we do that is by sharing stories and, and really uh, going to that place. We may not exactly fully understand it, because we may have not lived it, but we can still appreciate, acknowledge and value the place that we've come from and that we're here to, we're, we're connected through God, yeah. most importantly, more, more than our heritage and more than our interests and all of that, but it is God who has ordained us. And I'm just very grateful to be at a time like this and, to be able to pray and intercede and dream together for what God is in store. And, and really the, the metaphor of how Avengers, you know, which is something Andy, you and I have been talking a lot about, but we, we elevate each other. Yes. We give each other the place to take the lead, yes. to contribute their own giftedness and their own calling yes. for the kingdom of God. And I, I think that picture is very beautiful. And I appreciate you doing the, initiating that for us. So for sure. Thanks so much. Yeah, you guys, seriously, this is going to go down as one of my favorite podcasts. I really enjoyed it. Thank you again to Paul and to Kevin. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, with these conversations, we are intentionally going long form because we really wanted to let the conversation breathe. And I'll just say this in closing, 
um, if this content, if this conversation has truly touched you or impacted you, uh, I'm going to ask you, let's share this. I think this is a great opportunity to share this conversation with the world in the belief and hope that it will catalyze more conversations. I believe that if we can see a conversation between second gen, first gen, 1.5, truly start to catalyze in this season, using my, my brother Paul's word, it's through the power of conversation that we're able to move together. And so I want to say that. Thank you for tuning in. Leave us a comment. Leave us uh, a review on Apple Podcasts. But more importantly, with these episodes, please share them. Paul, Kevin, thank you guys. God bless.